0: This is the third and 30 podcast, a coach's podcast, where we believe opportunity is everything. My name is Coach Praveen mantra and I'm joined alongside Coach Jason Chaddock, and we are here, again, virtually, at separate locations, but here, doing the podcast, bringing it to you guys with a brand new guest, and we are super excited to bring him on, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. First, Jason, how you doing today?
1: coach i'm good we are we are coming to you virtually again you and i are apart but together as always and uh i'm ready to get things kicked off today and just have a lot of fun um diving into things with you as always
0: yeah i think we uh you know the first two shows have gone well gotten some great feedback from them uh burt borgman and coach mario price is were uh, incredible guests and but we're not done yet and we like we like we promised we're gonna have uh, guests on every single show that we bring to you and that is the whole idea behind this podcast is it's a coach's podcast but a coach can be found in any environment whether it's a business or in a school or on the field um it doesn't doesn't really matter a, a coach can be anywhere and it's a coach a leader and we're going to bring those coaches and leaders to you so we had the privilege to have a great conversation um with someone local, you know, someone that's very well known in our area and uh, and probably pretty well known around the country as well uh as 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 a football coach. And that was coach Steve Fairchild who formerly was a quarterback at Colorado State University and head coached Colorado State University um about almost 10 years ago now or a little more over over 10 years. So a great conversation we had with Steve Fairchild, and we're so excited to bring that to you just here in a few minutes. Um, tell us what the what the uh, audiences should look forward to when it comes to this this conversation with Coach Fairchild, Coach. Well, you know, you hit the
1: nail on the head with one of those items is talking about the leadership, and <clears throat> yes, we are coaches. That's that's what we do, and I every guest that we've had on has also talked about coaching in their work environment. And I, you know, coach Fairchild was no different. He was alluding to that same thing and talking about some of the importance um, behind. Yes. These are, these are important leadership ideas that yes, they work on a, work on a football team, work on a basketball team, a soccer team, but, but these are important for the workplace as well. And what I really like, and I encourage our listeners uh, to really really open up and take in is when coach Fairchild goes through his three-step tool to being a good leader. Um, And I, and I want to preface that with saying this had absolutely zero to do with anything on a field or in an athletic environment. This was everything to do with off the field, completely compatible to our everyday life to our work environments for us being a leader in those. So I really encourage you guys uh, to to open your ears, open your hearts, open your minds when he goes over the three-step tool to being a good leader.
0: Coach Fairchild has over 30 years of coaching experience, and it, it shows because of the relationships he's built that this three-step tool, and there's, ver- there's many variations of the three-step tool he mentioned. So we're not saying that's the all say, and that's all you need to follow. It's just a variation um, to be a good leader, and that's his variation of it, and what he believes is important. Um, for us football fans, it's pretty cool to see what, who, and who, and where he's worked. Um, he's worked with some incredible coaches, coached some incredible players, and he's coaching some great, some co- some great teams. And one included one of our favorites uh, from back in the day was the greatest show on turf, the St. Louis Rams, which he was a part of. Now he came in towards the end of that. Uh, era, But nonetheless, he got to be in the same room with some of those incredible guys. So he speaks on that as well. Some of those Hall of Fame players and coaches that he's coached with. And also mentions a player from not the St. Louis Rams, but a coach, a player that he coached that uh, might surprise you. That is a very, um, a very impactful and very meaningful Leader, not just a, a player in his in his own right, as this player is. So, Coach Fairchild has so much to bring to the table, um, and it was a real honor for us to speak to him. Uh, especially being such a well-known guy in all, in our area, um, he, he he was the starting quarterback here at Colorado State, and he he had coached this this program here, and um, that, and, and he still lives in Colorado, so. We're so excited to get, dive right into this conversation, and we want to bring this conversation to you, so sit back and enjoy the latest conversation with Coach Steve Fairchild. Now on the Thirty Podcast, we are joined by a very, very special guest today, a coach with 34 years of coaching experience with stints in the NFL, with the St. Louis Rams, Buffalo Bills, and the San Diego Chargers, as well as... Quite a few years in the college game, coaching at uh, University of Virginia and our very hometown team, uh, the Colorado State Rams, as well as played for the Colorado State Rams in your collegiate career, and currently owns and operates his own quarterback training academy called Fairchild QB Training. Uh, third and 30, we'd like to welcome onto the show Coach Steve Fairchild. Coach, on behalf of uh, Coach Chadok and I, we're super uh, super appreciative of you joining us on the show today. Thanks for taking the time out. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to doing this, and uh, hopefully, we can talk a little football here. Absolutely, yeah. Nothing, no training camps or anything. It's uh, at least we can get talking about it. So let's go ahead and dive right in um, with you and, and walk us through, Coach, the beginning of your coaching career and sort of the journey you've been on uh, since your playing career.
2: Well, uh, I was like a lot of young kids. I, I grew up uh, playing youth football, high school football. I was fortunate enough to. To play in college at Colorado State University, and um, when I finally graduated, I wasn't good enough to play in the NFL. I uh, I was out of football for a year at the age of uh, 21, 22 somewhere in there, uh, going to graduate school, and that was the first year uh, that I could remember that I wasn't part of a a team, a football team, and and actually competing in the fall, and and uh, realized how much I missed it at that point. So uh, kind of shelved the graduate school route for, for a year and, and tried to get into coaching. And my first job was uh, at a junior college out in California. And then uh, from there, worked my way up through small college uh, coaching uh, Division two, and then eventually into the Division one level. So, um, you know, I guess that year out of football made me realize how important an aspect it was of my life and, and got me back into the uh, football thing in terms of
0: coaching. We mentioned uh, what you currently do right now, and that's with the uh, Fairchild QB training. Um, and tell us a little bit about um, what you do there. And, I, we, you know, I've definitely seen you've gone abroad uh, overseas to uh, coach some kids in quarterback. And um, I wanted you to talk to us about what kind of stands out to you about the game internationally and, and um you know, are there certain countries that kind of stand out to others? And, and, um, you know, what you kind of see there as, as you have gone o- abroad?
2: Well, I'll, I'll start with the, the quarterback training. Um, uh, you know, after I, I finished my 34th year of, of coaching, uh, in college in the NFL, I kind of felt like I needed a change, uh, you know, maybe a kind of a reboot, sort of, so to speak. And I, and I realized that, uh, you know, 28 of those years, I was a head coach or, or in a coordinator role. Uh, and I really kind of had to share the the individual coaching uh, with other people in a lot of respects. So I, I, uh, you know, I thought that this is something I really like doing. I'm going to give it a try now that I'm kind of semi-retired and uh, really do enjoy going out and working with guys, uh, not in terms of uh, scheme and and football in that respect, but just in terms of, you know, fundamentals and technique and the proper way to train guys on, on how to get balanced and aligned when they, when they throw a football. So I've really enjoyed what I'm doing. I, I, I do it with kids that are, that are youth football all the way to, I have some NFL clients. So, um, you know, mostly in the state of Colorado, but I do some nationally. And like you said, internationally, what, what I found is, there's a there's a lot of football in Europe and Mexico there's there's a there's a big interest for it uh, and in you know it's played at a lot of different levels but uh, you know I've had a chance to go to Germany now Mexico City Vienna Austria uh, and and actually work with quarterbacks and and train coaches and uh, you know it's a great way to just kind of internationally get out and see the world and, and share a little bit of
1: coaching with people that are that are very much interested in doing it That, that's incredible, <clears throat> especially to hear about the international pieces and, and how the games grow in there and how you're able to help impact that and, and train people, um, you know, and, and for us, it sounds even more incredible because we're just here in Colorado. We don't leave the state to do anything with football <laughs> and you're you're leaving the whole country. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's half business, half fun. It's it's like I said, it's a <laughs> two. The, the last the last trip I did right before the the coronavirus thing was to Vienna, Austria, with my wife, and and we actually spent a couple of weeks uh, living in Vienna and, and helping with the Vienna Vikings, which is a very good football organization. They they do a really nice job over there. They're one of the, uh, if not the highest level of football in Europe. Uh, And so it's it's fun. We got a chance to see a part of the world we hadn't seen. uh, But at the same time, we had a chance to be involved with that that football organization and kind of clinic them and coach their players. And uh, it was a great experience. And and I think when this whole uh, virus thing settles down, there's opportunities all over the world to to get out there and, and, uh, you know, kind of share
1: knowledge and, and experience different places. That sounds incredible. Coach, I might have to join you. I mean, I just, I just get to drive around, drive around our city all day. I might, I might have to join you instead. Um, as, as we dive into this a little bit further, um, you had referenced earlier, um, you know, playing some D1 football and and you had the opportunity to play quarterback. And what I'd like to know is what are some of the pressures that you felt as a division one quarterback, along with, uh, highlights from your career?
2: Well, I think, uh, You know, even as far back when I was playing, but uh, especially nowadays, I think anybody participating in college football realizes that uh, they do it because they love the game and and it's something that they really enjoy doing. But there's always that cloud or so to speak over you that it is a production business. And and if you're not successful, uh, you're going to get fired as a coach or you're going to get replaced as a player. And so there are some pressures that go along with it. And and sometimes you look at those guys, you know, now that I'm out of it and and wonder, you know, how how do you, how do you go to school, try to get a, a, you know, an elite degree at an elite university and still spend the amount of time that you need to, uh, to train and compete at that division one football level. So uh, there are pressures there were back then. I think they're even magnified now uh, with all the TV and all the publicity that goes with college football. So um, but I'm glad I did it. You know, I, the highlights, I just, just being able to play the game and being able to start uh, and play at the division one level is, is a, is a remarkable experience. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was able to do that.
1: I want, I want to dive in one step further with that because you were highlighting just now some of the media aspect uh, to, to those pressures. And when, when I was growing up, we didn't have social media and, You know, nobody was checking my Twitter, my Instagram uh, when they were recruiting me. No one was checking that stuff when I was in college. How how do you imagine that has changed the game? I mean, comparing what you went through uh, when you played and then obviously coaching. How has that really just changed the game for these for these young kids trying to get into college?
2: Well, it has at every level. uh, And really, you can say the 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 football part of it is just kind of a microcosm of society it's uh you know growing up now you, you're the chances of all your actions being videotaped all your words being recorded uh everything that you decide to put out there uh not just going locally but internationally so uh, you know you've got to be you got to be a little more accountable maybe than than you had to 20 30 years ago and And uh, it is, it is certainly factored into uh, people making decisions on you as a recruit or you as a professional football player, or even you as a, you know, an employer with a, with a job on the line. So um, it's a different world. I think, I think, you know, we were all raised with that advice to, you know, step back, take a breath, you know, think about it, pray about it, whatever, before you act. But now more than ever, uh, it's not going to go away and, and, Uh, you better be careful with what you put out there. And, and I, and as a head football coach, you know, I, I was, I was the head football coach at Colorado state, you know, going on, I guess uh, eight years ago, nine years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was, this stuff was, was there, but not, you know, the social media wasn't quite the, 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 having the impact that it has now. And, and even then we were trying to constantly educate the kids that, you know, the, this stuff is it's going to stay on your record and it's going to affect you 40, 50 years down the road when you're, when you're trying to get a job and get a promotion. So it's, it's uh, really inherent that you uh,
1: take your time and be smart about what you do on, on social media. Coach, I think that's a great lesson and I appreciate you sharing that. And that's a big deal for, for coaches to know as well. And as we transition into leadership, um, what you just said fits right in par with this is what do you think are two or three keys about being an impactful leader uh, for us?
2: Well, I, I, you know, that's a great question. And, and we could probably spend days <laughs> talking about that. And I think we're all kind of always reading and exploring uh, ways to, you know, to impact players uh, or as a teacher impact uh, students in a classroom, um, you know, because it's what we do for a living. We're out in front and we're we're dealing with uh, young people, so to speak, or mentoring young people, so to speak. I still do it now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, here in another couple hours, I'll go out on the field for a couple three sessions and, and have six or eight kids that are going to look to me, right. um, you know, and, and I'm going to have an impact on on what they're doing. So, you know, I think mm-hmm. it all begins and, and you it doesn't matter whether you, you listen to, you know, Newt Rockney or or Bill Gates or whoever I I, I really think everybody that that starts uh, you know a company or an organization you know will tell you that that the communication is the absolute foundation of everything and and you cannot lead a group of and I'll just so to speak a, a group of football players uh, until there's a just a very truthful uh, way of communicating. And a two-way street where where they know how to communicate with you, and you know how to communicate to them. Now, somebody's going to be in charge, and the message may not be what what everybody wants to hear. But at least I think everybody can can start that leadership thing with saying, "Hey, I know I know I'm hearing the truth, and I know I'm I'm, I'm I know who to look to, and with, with this rule or this aspect of my life, I I, I can I can." trust that this guy's a communicator and, and I think as you as you do develop communication trust becomes uh, the next issue if, if I talk to you and, and I know how to talk to you and I know what to talk to you about uh, and we do it often enough and I'm getting the truth on an often enough basis then then I start to trust you and and with those two things you've got a foundation now because you know we're all we all come in different shapes and sizes. We all, we all speak differently. We, we all look differently. We all, you know, even act differently. But, uh, but I know if you, if you communicate number one and, and develop some trust uh, you, you've got a chance to be out in front and, and have people buy into what you're, what you're doing. And, and I think probably the final aspect then is, uh, you know, leading by example, or at least putting some energy, uh, you know, into the product. You know, it's one thing to be able to talk to me and it's one thing that I'm going to tell you the truth. But you've got to see my enthusiasm for this this program in and, and that I'm willing to do some work for this program. And I'm here early and staying late because I believe in this program. So, you know, once once you you buy into who I am and, and can trust me now, see that that I'm a part of this and working just as hard as you to to be successful.
0: You know, it's so it's so important you mentioned three things that almost are vital off the football field, you know, that build that communication, build that trust, leading by example. Those are all things that you need to take care of almost, you know, maybe on, on the sideline, maybe, but not necessarily in the playing of the game. And I think that's so important. Trust to me is key. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, coaches, maybe young players that move up, they want respect over anything. And I think you have to build trust first before respect, you know, I mean, you, I might respect, coach Chaddock, but I will, you know, I might disagree with him, but I respect him for it. But, you know, when you trust someone, I see you'll run through a wall for him. You know, you believe yeah, yeah. in anything. They you know, respect
2: to. over a period of time, you're either going to get it or not. And, and people, people have that emotion in a lot of different ways, but, uh, and you're exactly right. This is off the field stuff. When when you take over a an NFL organization as a head coach or a general manager or, or you become an AD or a head football coach at Colorado state or some university, you know, it, it's important that before you ever go on the field that you start to lay down some of this, this foundation. So, so when you go to the field, you know, you're up and running uh, and it's how you conduct your program and, and your off season program and how you train and how you, how you uh, resource those kids and, and give them every opportunity that that's, that's how you build this stuff it's not going out to practice that that's that's the next step
0: we're here with uh, coach Steve Fairchild uh, former NFL coach college coach and currently uh, owns and operates his own quarterback training academy um, coach let's dive into some of the guys that you've worked with and you've you've coached with a lot of great coaches you've coached a lot of great players over your career let's let's start with the coaches that you've worked with and who are some of the ones that have stood out to you over your, your career and, and what are a couple, maybe three of your fondest memories uh, working with those coaches? Well,
2: you know, I, I, I was an offensive player. I was a quarterback. And so most of my, basically all of my coaching career was on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, And I had a, I've had a chance to work with just what I think are some absolutely brilliant uh, offensive football minds. And and I'll start with Mike Martz, uh, who had coached in the NFL, uh, with the Rams. And I had a chance to play for Mike, you know, at a, at a junior college. And then I had a chance to work with him in St. Louis, uh, and arguably one of the, if not the most innovative, uh, offensive mind in, in, in the game. And, uh, you know, just a brilliant guy and, and just being able to be in the same room with people like that, uh, you know, really does wonders for your career in terms of how you think about problems, how you game plan and solve problems during a game. And, and uh, you know, I'll just keep going. Kevin Gilbride. I had a chance to work with Kevin. Kevin was one of the best game day coaches I've ever been around. It just it didn't matter what was going on in the field. It seemed like he could see it before everybody. And and start to solve or change uh, a game plan uh, faster than anybody. Kevin was a brilliant mind as well. And Norv Turner, I had a chance to work with Norv Turner and, and maybe as smart and as good a game planning guy as, as I've ever been around. Uh, you know, so I have been lucky in that respect from an offense standpoint, I, I, I tell you one of the best coaches I've ever, if not the best, uh, you know, I had a chance to work with Sonny Lubick over at, at Colorado state and uh, the way Sonny would deal with people, Uh, you know he treated everybody the same it didn't matter if you were the president of the university or the guy sweeping the floor at night Uh, he respected you communicated with you and and, uh, you know very special person that was was able to learn a lot being around him for uh, quite some time in my career so I've been fortunate and we all are you know we're all a byproduct of kind of who we work for who we work with who we interact with and, and hopefully you're as an employee, coach, whatever, you're a type of person that uh, can just soak it all in and, and, you know, benefit from being around guys. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've been around some really, really, really good coaches. Player-wise, you know, it's, it's you know, uh, college and the NFL are very different. And, and uh, you know, college is, is coaching at the Division One levels. There's a lot of developing that goes on. Uh, you're spending a lot more time because you, you're you're with a guy for four or five years usually, mm-hmm. uh, and you see him change, you see him improve, you see him get better. So there's a lot of stories there where you you know you recruited guys and and you know they show up and you're you're thinking, well, I don't know if this guy's ever going to play, and then four or five years later, they're the Mountain West offensive player of the year, you know, mm-hmm. and and so stories like that are 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 fun. I, I, being around NFL guys is special though. I mean, when you when you think about it, when you walk into a room and and it's filled with NFL players, uh, you know, they're the best at what they do on the planet. And and they're they're professionals. And uh, just watching those guys, how they go about, uh, you know, preparing and, and taking care of themselves and getting ready for a game is, you know, everybody should. Should be able to walk into an NFL building and observe that for a week because it's it's elite. It really is, and a fortunate to be able to see that as well.
0: You know, I want to double up on that Sonny Lubick comment, and you know, I've I've always seen Sonny Lubick from afar. Um, and the Champ organization runs a breakfast every every year um, in in town, and six in the morning, everyone gathers. They grab coffee, grab drinks, and I'm at the coffee machine filling up myself some coffee. And a man approaches me and says, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Sonny. What's your name? And I was so taken aback, you know, because for his stature, and to me, he's a legend in this town. For him to come introduce himself to me, I'm just, I'm going into my fourth year of high school coaching. I'm, you know, I'm just just—I'm just another coach in town. And uh, and for him, it's so true the way he treats people. You know, he has no idea who I am, and he just wanted to start a conversation and introduce himself. So, I mean, Sonny Lubick, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him because he really is a, a great, great human, let alone a great coach.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you come across people in your life, uh, you know, every so often that are like that, that you, you, you step back and you go, that's, that's special. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that is, uh, I need to be more like that uh, on a daily basis. And I'll tell you another guy that, that, you know, walks into a room that you, you know, you, 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 you just can't, until you see it and you feel it, you you, you don't appreciate it the way you should, and that's Philip Rivers. Uh, <laughs> my last NFL job out with the Chargers, you know, and I'd known Philip for for quite some time. In fact, I'd brought brought Philip out to kind of clinic us when we were when I was the head coach at Colorado State, okay. but uh, got a chance to work and be around him for a year, and and you know, Philip at that point was was mid thirties, uh, maybe late thirties. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, had six or seven kids, you know, a guy that grew up in the South down in Alabama and went to school at NC State. And, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, we would have a draft class come up and there'd be some young kid, you know, 21 years old from somewhere else. But I'll tell you the one thing he could do, you know, he may not be everybody's best friend, but he could relate to everybody on a personal level. Uh, you know, you talk about being a leader. He 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 sat down and he wasn't going to be your best friend, but he was going to get to know you, know your name, know what's important to you, and and kind of have some relationship, uh, even if it was he was so different in terms of socioeconomic background or age or what have you, place quarterback, but it didn't matter if you were the kicker or on defense, uh, the guy related to everybody in, in a special way, and and you know so when you you have a chance to come across people like Coach Lubick or Phillip Rivers, it's just just very special uh people it's it's uh it kind
0: of makes you look in the mirror and and uh say hey how can how can I be a little bit more like that every day coach thank you so much for calling out Philip Rivers because i was born in san diego been the biggest <laughs> philip rivers fan growing up and when i moved to colorado it's been the toughest battle to tell people that <laughs> philip rivers is not your cry baby he's not a, you know just a wine no no he's he just is, a competitor he's a competitor you know, and i'm he, and i'm he, glad that the a little coach, trash
2: but uh when you're on his, when you're on his side, you really appreciate how Absolutely. competitive and and you know what a great and what a great human being. You t- you talk about a good Christian guy that gives back to the community that uh, never uses a cuss word. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's mis misrepresented, especially here in in the state of Colorado. But <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will tell you this, without a doubt, the guy is a Hall of Fame quarterback, and uh, we should
0: all be so lucky to to coach or play on a team with a guy like that even when he the team moved from san diego to los angeles he didn't move his family he just made an extra commute for himself and still was the same family man same leader same respectful guy nothing changed even when the team
2: moved yeah no it's and i and i could and it's the same way with sonny lubick you know i had a chance to work with him eight years Uh, i had a chance to get to know philip for a little bit and and i i could sit here for hours and tell you stories while you just go, wow, what a special person that guy is.
1: Coach, I think you, you've highlighted on some really neat things and truth be told. um, I was a huge fan of the greatest show on turf. That was, that was a huge thing for me. Um, I enjoyed watching them play. I was um, mesmerized by what this team would do offensively every single week for years, And if I remember correctly, it was about a, about a three or four-year run offensively. They were just unstoppable. And it's really interesting because that team alone that you were a part of, multiple Hall of Famers on that team. And you've coached pro bowlers. You've coached Hall of Fame caliber players. And what I'm really curious, and I know what our audience is curious to learn because this is a big part of the game, how did you develop them? athletically as they continue to go, whether, whether that was, you know, the mental part of the game, the athletic piece of the game, um, while also tempering their personalities to keep them team oriented. Well,
2: you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story before I get started in the first time I, I got a coordinator job in the NFL and, and I wasn't there for the greatest show on turf that, that got going without me being a part of it. I came in at the tail end of that, uh, when, when I finally I was with the Bills when they were really rolling, I was coaching at Buffalo and then I had a chance to to join them towards the, the tail end of that run. And, and I remember walking into that room the first time and uh, you talk about just having Hall of Fame Pro Bowl type players in one room. There was, you know, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk. Orlando Pace was the left tackle. Isaac Bruce, who's going into the Hall of Fame, as a receiver. Torrey Holt, who should go into the Hall of Fame, was a receiver. I mean, there. You look around the room, and you just said, "My lord, these are these are this is quite a <laughs> cast of characters." So, and and you know, we we all know we, we, when you get involved in coaching, there's a lot you can do and a lot you can affect. But at the end of the day, uh, it is a roster-driven business, whether it's high school, college, or the NFL and, and good players help you be a good coach and, and win games. And that I'll tell you that room had uh, a tremendous amount of football talent, especially in the offense side of the ball. So it was fun. It was fun to be a part of, uh, you know, it, it, coaching in the NFL, the, the question you were kind of leading me to, I get that a lot, especially with my career. Cause I bounced back and forth, which in some ways made it difficult, but I was, you know, went from college to the NFL, back to college, back to the NFL, back to college thing, and and people want to compare it and 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 ask you about coaching professional athletes. But I'll tell you, coaching professional athletes, you don't need to motivate those guys with with the money they're being paid and and their own uh, acknowledgement of how short a career uh, the the average NFL player has. Those guys are highly highly motivated to. To play and and so as long as what I found out in the NFL and, I, and my first job was as a running back coach which was interesting and I really enjoyed it but mm-hmm. uh, what I found out very quickly is if if you're shooting straight and you can help them they're they're going to buy India and the second you don't shoot straight or if you don't uh, bring anything to the table that makes their career better then they're not buying India and uh, so as long as you're just honest and coach hard and work hard
0: to those guys at that level are are easy to coach coach one more question for you really appreciate you taking time this morning to speak with us and and we kind of want to circle back um you know you speak a lot about coaching these nfl players just now and we want to almost lead you back to where you are at this point in your coaching career and it's been a tremendous career to this point and you know what kind of led you at the end to focus specifically on kind of the youth and high school? Because I'm, I imagine majority of your uh, the people you coach are in, in that level. Um, I know you mentioned you have some college and, and NFL uh, clients, um, but what kind of led you to kind of focus on the youth and high school f- um, aspect of the game? And why do you think that level is is so important in an athlete's life and in, in growing as a as a as a um, as a adult and, and as a football player as well?
2: Well, I think, and I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, uh, you know, a couple things led me uh, to get out of the, the grind of college NFL coaching uh, and got me back to Denver. You know, there's a lot of things involved in the equation and, and I probably value or look at the components of my life differently maybe than, than other people do with, with their situation. But, uh, you know, after 34 years, of doing the same thing. I was, I, I felt like, uh, you know, maybe a little change uh, in the way I was going about coaching would be a good thing. I was fortunate enough to be in a, you know, not a great situation, but a, a good financial situation where I could uh, kind of tone it down a little bit in terms of what I, what I needed to earn. And uh, you know, I think we all hit a point at some, time in our life where we, where we value time more than money. And, and you start to look at, you know, I'm 62 years old and you start to look at uh, where you are and you, and you start to think, you know, maybe maybe the days are more important than than going out and earning big money somewhere. So, uh, like I said, I'd spent a lot of times as, as a head coach and a coordinator. So I, I, I wanted to get back into really coaching technique and fundamentals. I think uh, we're all whether we want to admit it or not, if we're dealing with kids uh, in any capacity, then we're, we're going to take on some sort of mentor role, uh, and, and I value that right now. Being able to affect kids, and, and like you said, youth, youth football, high school football kids, those are the ones that need positive, uh, you know, leadership, positive coaching uh, the most. And, and even getting to the technical part of, of, of just throwing the football, those are the ones you can affect the most. You know, making sure a kid you know, starts out with a proper grip and wrist rotation and learns how to train. And, uh, you know, so there, there, there's a lot of things that, that kind of went into the equation. I've got two girls that live in Denver that are, you know, I'm a grandfather now and just a chance to be around family a little bit more than, than what I was when I was out there, uh, you know, running around the country, trying to find jobs. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. I'm, I've got a chance to do what I, I love doing. Uh, I can be my own boss. I can do it. Um, uh, the way I want to do it and when I want to do it. And, and at the same token, maybe even parlay this thing into getting around the world and and, and seeing as many places as I can while I'm still able to travel. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. I know it. I'm enjoying life and, and, you know, all's good. That's awesome. I, I got to Oh, go ahead. Coach. I got
1: I got to throw out there, coach. I mean, you, you bring the enthusiasm to what you do. You just told us you're 62 years old, man. You don't look a day over 50. For real. <laughs> I'm with you. I was going <laughs> to say this. <goodness>. <laughs> sure I, feel, I, I feel every bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got the enthusiasm. He's got the smile on his face during this whole interview. And and he's he's bringing the heat for us. And, and my goodness, it looks like you could go still play football. No, no, no those days are long, long gone. But, uh, I,
2: you know, you know I'm going out like today. I'll go out. I've got three sessions,
1: uh,
2: an hour each. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, I'll I'll probably work with uh, you know anywhere from 15 to 18 kids today. And and uh, you know, and then
0: I'll be ready. I'll be ready to come home and uh, you know. But uh, <laughs> three hours on the field is plenty for me. Absolutely no. We only coach, I think, hour and a half, two hours these days. So it's the same thing over, over with us. And you know, I've had the opportunity to come to um, your Fairchild quarterback training. And I see, you know, some of our athletes have have come to work with you, and you know, it's it's the the passion and and the uh, the attention, focus you show to those kids. I think it really stands out. I can tell those kids, even some of our athletes that you know may not have the best focus, they they step it up a notch when they when they're around you. And that's just not, you know, they might be too young to you know to know that you coached CSU or or played for them so you know they don't necessarily know your background and and they they show focus they come in I think that's because you lead by example and and um it's 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 very apparent that um you love what you do and that's that's the biggest thing and I'm glad you mentioned family because in the program that coach Chaddock and I coach we are our mantra is hashtag family and it stands for forget about me I love you and I think right. it's uh so important um that you brought up family being a grandfather I'm sure that's uh Uh, a super um, um, just better than even winning the biggest game ever. I'm sure having a grandchild.
2: (laughs) Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt being able to be around uh, family after, especially working the 14 hour days that you do when, when you're coaching uh, it's, it's nice to be able to step back and have a little time for, for, uh, for family and and being caught up with uh, some things maybe that you missed when, when you were having a career. So it's great.
0: Well, coach, I, it was a great conversation. It was really an honor to have you on. You said um, earlier when you were in the room with Mike Martz and kind of stood back and really appreciate being in the same room as people like that. That's how I feel with you joining us uh, right now. I was a kid when you were coaching at CSU. I was a big fan. And to have this opportunity to have you on, on the podcast to, to speak to us, it's it's truly an honor and a real pleasure um, for me as personally, because um, I never thought in a million years that when I was telling some of my friends, yeah, you know, I'm interviewing Coach Fairchild. they're like, wait. Steve Fairchild? I'm like, yeah, who would have who thought, you know, like here we are in the student section cheering on our team. And now, you know, I get to be in the same room and, and uh, you know, get to be go to those training camps and learn from you as a coach as well. So um, coach, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We, we really appreciate you taking the time to to speak with us today.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate the kind words and Perhaps we can do this again here
0: before too long. Absolutely. We'll make sure it happens, Coach. You t- uh, take care now. All right. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Again, a big shout-out to Coach Steve Fairchild. Uh, for us, a hometown guy, he's a nationally known coach. I mean, over 30 years of coaching experience. I mean, just a just a real honor to be able to talk to a guy of that caliber. I mean, all three of our guests have been extremely um, – extremely awesome guest but this one for me personally because I I've I've been I've watched him in his in his prime you know coaching and and followed his career it was it was really an honor uh to to be able to speak to coach Fairchild and I'm sure for our listeners um pretty cool to find out what he's been up to lately because it seems so long ago that he was the head coach and maybe for some of you it wasn't the best best time for you as a fan maybe it was uh, for me I was I was indifferent but um You know, now I think it's really awesome to see that even though through tough times, he still had a passion and and push for coaching, coaching. And he wanted to coach and he kept going after after CSU. He went to University of Virginia. He went to the Chargers. You know, he's still a very respectable guy uh, in in, in the coaching world. So um, it was really cool to find out what he's been up to and kind of, you know, pick his brain a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, one thing that I really enjoyed was hearing stories about coaches that he got to work with and how they were impactful to him. Um, because Mike Martz, like I said, when I was watching the greatest show on turf, I was watching Mike Marks coach and to hear, you know, stories and hear about the wisdom and, the other thing that I really was drawn to was him talking about some of the players that he had the opportunity to work with. Hear, hearing about the Philip Rivers story and and his passion for the game that was that was insightful because as fans of the game, we don't get in the locker room. We only see what the media wants us to see. We only see what the media feels is clickbait. We're not getting the real story, and it was really. Really neat to hear him go into, hey, these coaches were influential to hear about Sonny Lubick and hear about it from the, from the inside and how that, that man wants to honor everybody and he wants to shake everyone's hand. And that was special to me to be able to hear that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's amazing to be around people that have been in the same room with some legends that we follow. It's almost surreal. You know, I almost had to sit here while he was talking like, wow, this guy's like been in the same room with Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner. I mean, you're talking about these, these are, those are guys that you tell kids as they grow up. These are the guys you need to know, you know, like not everyone knows Frank Tarkenton, but during his time he was big, right? Well, it doesn't matter for Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Kurt Warner, Orlando Pace, they're going to be talked about in football history. And to know that Steve Fairchild, Coach Fairchild, was in the same room as those guys, working and learning from them, you know, not just absorbing everything, but, you know, Coach Fairchild has knowledge himself. He's got something to bring to the table too. So to be able to balance both things and and suppress your emotions when you're around people like that and it's new to you um, is is very, uh, it's a hard thing to do and yeah it was super awesome to hear and then philip rivers i'm telling you what guys if you don't know me yeah i was born in san diego i grew up a chargers fan um they're no longer in san diego and philip rivers is gone so you can take that for what it's worth but philip rivers for me was a guy that i just i i really loved him i always did and always got the bad rep of being a whiner and a complainer but like you said coach Chadock. We only see what TV wants us to see, you know, so we're going to see. I mean, wouldn't you be a little ticked off if you threw a pick pick in the fourth quarter? I would be, too, you know, and and, you know, some guys are different. Coach Fairchild said it. We come in all shapes and sizes. We look differently. We act differently. So, you know, to judge and base it just off that forefront is very tough to do. And it's I don't think it's necessarily right, in my opinion for him to speak out on a guy like that who has so much flack on him for kind of his personality, um, it was really good to hear from a guy that's actually coached him. Not just a guy that was maybe, uh, you know, uh, an equipment guy or someone that passed him in the locker room or a media guy. This is a guy that actually got to coach him and see Phillip Rivers in his element and see Phillip Rivers where he thrives. And that's practice and that's getting to know guys. And that's, that's the sort of thing that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning do as well as great quarterbacks. When there's a new player, you find out, you get to know him. That's part of your family now. You get to know that guy. You got to know what he likes, what he doesn't like, what ticks him off, what doesn't. You know, what? how does he like the ball? How does he run right? You got to know those things as a QB. And that's the number one thing as a leader. And and Fe- Coach Fairchild really, really, uh, uh, you know, made that stand out to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know,
1: <clears throat> as we dive even further into it, you know, what, one of the things on my mind right now is every episode we talk about characteristics. We talk about you know leadership. Um, we talk about all these different things of of great leaders. You know the leadership qualities, the the characteristics of a of a high caliber performer, of a, a true leader. And, and what their, what their character, character is, what their moral values are. And, and when we dive into this, sure, we look at the sports perspective a lot. What, what I really like, though, is every episode you also, you hear about development for life. Because this isn't just about sports. It's about development for life. And we talked about it in the first episode. We're building winners for life, not winners for a season. And we talked about it today. Um, when, when Coach Fairchild went into you know, some of the, the important things that he's looking at uh, to be an impactful leader, absolutely none of those had anything to do with sports. None of them had anything to do with something we're doing on a field or on a court mm-hmm. or in a gym. It all had to do with things that we can do in the workroom, we can do in our office, we can do in the boardroom, um, It's life. He talked about communication. And I love the emphasis. And and I think today's workforce would appreciate this. I love the emphasis that he had on two-way communication. It's not just me as a leader communicating to you as an employee. It is two-way communication. What, What can you provide as value as a leader? What can that person provide back to you as value as a coworker? And how do we build that two-way communication? And then he went into trust. He said, because first we have to have the communication. When we have the open lines of communication, when we have two-way communication, we begin to value one another's input and opinion on subject matter. Now we've transcended towards building the trust. And I hope, uh, audience, I, I want you to hear this. You're transcending to building trust. Trust doesn't just happen the second you walk in a room. Oh, I trust this person because their job title. Oh, I trust this person because they came from XYZ company and we look up to that company for info. No, you develop the trust through that communication and trust is fragile these days. I mean, let, let's call it what it is. We, we've, got, we've got a lot of things going on in the world right now <clears throat> and trust is fragile Trust is not to be abused. Trust is something we have to cherish when we have it, and we have to keep building it with our teams trust Trust is literally the difference of what's going to make us a family and what's going to make us just a bunch of people working in the same place. Trust is that value that we that that is so needed in today's society. How can we develop trust with one another? How can we be trusting leaders? How can we develop trust in our coworkers? How can our coworkers develop trust in one another? As leaders, we set that platform. It's our job. It's no one else's job, it's our job. And then we develop a culture in our workforce or in our team that our coworkers can manage that culture. Because they know the expectations. We lead by example was the final part. We lead by example. We do that. We show our passion. We show the enthusiasm we have for not only what we do, additionally, the organization in which we're doing this for. We show that passion. And what I love about it is that's when you get to what they call a player-led team or a worker-led team. That's when you get to that. When they see you driving on high moral standards, maintaining ethical values, trusting the people you work with, when they see that from you as a leader and they see you communicating, and it's not just communicating what's good, it's communicating mistakes. Hey guys, you know something? Sometimes I have to step up as a leader and say, hey team, I messed up. I I did this when I should have done that And, and it cost us some time. I made a mistake on this, and it's owning that mistake. That's how you build the trust. We're not perfect. We all make mistakes. We're all going to fail. Don't get to that failure point where that failure is permanent. We're all going to fail at something. We're going to rebound. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. We're going to develop. If your team, your coworkers, whatever it is, they see this from you, they see you able to step up and say, hey, I got your back, they're gonna have your back too. They see you willing to step up and say, hey, I messed up here, own my mistake, make amends for it, and move forward. That's solid gold right there. Lead by example. I can't stress this enough. And, and create that trusting environment. And, and I love how, how Coach Fairchild pointed that out for us so we could really get deep in that in our post show here. And talk about how, how that affects us as leaders.
0: And, and I'm glad you said leaders. You know, we say third and 30, a coach's podcast. Well, a coach is a leader. A leader is a coach. Um, they go hand in hand. And I, I'm so glad he, he emphasized those three things. I think you take any party in the world. My dad, for instance. My dad has worked in research and development. He is a chief scientific officer, okay? He, he works in the, he's an officer. He works in the science world, Okay. He is very respected amongst his peers. Now, why is that? You know, he didn't ask for respect, number one. He didn't go out there and said, I demand respect from all of you, and this is how it's going to be. That's not how he did it. He earned the respect, not expecting he's going to get it. He lived it by following those three things. He communicates what's on his mind. What, what good does it do for a leader if your subordinates come up with an idea, and you don't think the idea works, and you sit there as a leader and say, Okay, let's move on. Let's keep going with it. Instead of calling out, hey, I don't think this is a good idea and I think this is why and so on and so forth. You know, just to let things happen as a leader and to sit back and just be like, they'll figure it out and not step in with your own thought and your own research and your own conviction behind it. I think it's so important as a leader to be able to, that's part of the communication is not only communicate what you Uh, The good stuff and find out what's going on like coach Fairchild talked about Philip Rivers He's always trying to figure out, you know about his teammates But I think it's also being able to call out the bad and have some substance behind it and be able to back yourself up and lead By example, and that's how you gain trust So it all meshes together every piece of it and it's not like if you have communication You're not gonna have trust. Well, if you have good communication, you're gonna build trust and if you and if you build good trust well, that because, that's because you lead by example and you have good moral values. My dad is a good man, okay? He's, he's a good father. He brought up a family. He's provided for his family. He's never stepped out of line. He doesn't talk back. He, follow, he listens to his leaders and he, and he respects and, and believes in his subordinates and he does not talk down to them, but he leads it outside of work. It has nothing to do with science at that point. It has everything to do with how do I feel about him as a dad because I'm his son, and, and, and that is going to translate to how he operates at work. It's how he's a father to his son and his daughter and, his, and how he's a husband to his wife. That's going to translate to who you are at work and how you anticipate and how you react to things. It's so important. It goes in any field, anything. You go to talk about teacher. Okay, first day of class. You got to communicate exactly how you want things and then you got to enforce it. And then you have to gain that trust by showing the kids that you know what you're talking about. And honestly, I won't lie. When I was in high school, teachers were like everything to me. I always was like the teachers were like the biggest thing. Like you know, when you saw a teacher out in public, it was like, oh, whoa, that's my teacher. It was like a famous thing, a famous person out. When you saw a teacher at the mall, for me, part of that moral standard is you know, some kids are going to look down to you is if 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 you tell a kid not to smoke and then you are smoking cigarettes as a teacher, right? I get it. You are an adult and you have that right it's legal. I get, I get it. You're allowed to smoke cigarettes, you know, once you're 18 years old, that, that's okay. But you are a teacher and you are building young kids to become better adults. And how can you expect them to become better adults if they see you smoking cigarettes? Well, then they're going to think, oh, okay, well, that's what being an adult is. And then that's just one aspect of their life that's going to get affected at that point, And that is their health which is probably the number one important thing of life is your health. And you have to lead by example. You know, when I became a coach, I wasn't the perfect human being. I'm still not the perfect human being. But the changes that I made in my life isn't because someone told me to. It's because I have a role as a coach That I am mentoring young kids and I am impacting young kids. Everything I do, they see. They know what kind of car I drive. They know what kind of music I listen to. You know, now with social media, they all follow us on social media, right? We have Facebooks, we have Instagrams ourselves as coaches. We gotta be smart on those. You know, I have kids that follow me on Snapchat. My Snapchat is public. Part of the reason I do that is to hold me up to a higher standard because I know that I got kids following me, so I got to stay on my, my grind and make sure that I'm smart in what I'm doing. And that is important. That is part of the communication is also social media. You're communicating things. And if you're communicating the wrong thing to the kid, well, they're not going to look at you the same on the field. And that's the off the field thing that's so important. So I'm glad he mentioned those things. And like you said, he mentioned it so we can dive into it because it's so important. You know, Coach Fairchild is a very busy man. That's why we're here to kind of elaborate on what he said is because it's so important. That's why we're it's, it's the number one important thing that we talked about with Coach Fairchild today. You know, we wanted to find out about who he coached with and what stood out to him and his career himself. Absolutely. But I think the number one thing that stood out to what he said was about how to approach it as a leader. I think it's very important for us to understand that who we are as humans is going to affect how we are as coaches. You know, if we're not in tune with who we are inside and outside, then we can't expect kids to follow us. Coach Fairchild said they can see right through it all. Kids can see right through our BS from a mile away. If you're a coach, and I've, I've experienced it in my first year when a, when a freshman in high school was able to call out my BS because I thought I knew what I was talking about. And it humbles you because you're like, dang, like these kids, you know, they're young and they're learning. They're adolescent, but they're not dumb. They know, they, they, they know what goes on. They, they have parents. They, they're around adults in life. And it's so important to really be a good human being. You know, I think when it comes to drinking habits, smoking habits, all those kinds of things, it's important to find out, you know, where the line is. You know, what's the line? I'm not saying every coach is not allowed to drink. Okay, yeah, it's it's okay. You know, but it's what's Being the line? an adult about it. Be an adult. Be responsible. They always say drink responsibly. It's, it goes. It's even more so for a coach. You know, you, you get in trouble as a coach for those kinds of things. You lose the respect, not of just the people and your fans. You lose the respect of your own locker room. And that is the worst place you can lose your respect. You know, in our, in our world, we can have parents yelling at us. We can have districts not liking the way we do it. But if our team respects us, that's all that matters, at least to me. You know, I can go back and be like, all, right, all this crap is going on around me. But I can sit back and just look at my team. And if, do, do, do they work hard? Do they set a good example for each other? Do they respect their coaches? Do, are they coachable? Do they listen? Yeah, they were all those things. I was like, all right, good. Well, are good. I'm doing the right thing in the end. Because if all those 40, 45 kids are in tune with what I want to get done, well, I feel like I'm doing something right. And mm-hmm. that's what all it, it tells you. You want to make sure that your locker room, your job has your back. And they can smell it from a mile away if you're full of crap. And... It's very important to really hold yourself to a high standard when you're a coach. Even though in high school coaching, yeah, there's not much money. Most of the time it's just a side gig. It's a hobby because we have to make a living. A lot of us are dads, you know. A lot of us are husbands. We have to make a living out of this, you know. And and I'm not, but I want to make a living out of this. But at the same time, it, it's so much value to who you are that it doesn't matter how much you're making as a coach. You know, when you're a high school coach, it's your reputation, it's who you are. And I think that's more valuable than money. You know, and like and, and, and the time, like Coach Coach Fairchild said, I think time can be more valuable than money. And putting the time in yourself and the effort in who you are, we've all had our high school college days. We've all had our times where we've had Tough moments, and we've had to, we've made bad decisions, and we had to climb up, and we lose trust in the people that we care about the most, and we have to just claw our way back up, right? Well, that's part of the time, and you have to value that, and you can't be like, no, 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 I need to get this done. You're not gonna get that done because you're not in tune with who you are. That's not gonna get done. No matter how much it needs to get done, sacrifices need to be made. It's just about being in tune with who you are because then you can really affect. Kids. I'm 26 years old. I feel like I have a big impact on kids because of my relation to them. But I also don't play around with them. I'm also not friends with them. I also know when it's time to be serious, and I show that. And I don't get caught up in the, ooh, this is so cool, or you know, getting talked to. I, I get sometimes frustrated when we're at practice and you know we're talking as coaches. You know, I, And I might be, a, I might be one to, that does it myself, but it frustrates me. I go home and I'm like, you talk too much. You chatted too much. You know, you need to be there and coach. If you are telling yourselves those things and trying to better yourself, that you're taking the right steps. But, you know, if you think that you have it all figured out, I'm sure Coach Fairchild is like, I, I still don't have it figured out. And that's why he's still doing what he does. So if a man at 62 with 34 years of coaching experience is still figuring it out, like I can guarantee you that any one of us listening right now, including Coach Chaddock and I, are still figuring it out too. Absolutely. They got a little passionate there. I love it. <laughs> I love it.
1: Hey, I'll tell you what. Life is a passionate journey. Amen. I mean, I, I don't want a bunch of people around me that don't have passion.
0: That's yeah. I don't.
1: And I, I, I'm, tell, I'm putting my cards on the table. I don't care if it's my work environment. I don't care if it's my football environment. I don't care if it's my home environment. I don't care if it's my friends who I'm out in the backyard playing cornholes with and for, for those of you they're not it's not called bag toss guys let's just get that squared away right now the real midwest the real midwest from ohio it's called cornholes
0: <laughs> bag toss
1: it's not called it's not called bag toss some it's people cornholes and i want you, know, you to be I'm the most passionate though, cornhole player that ever was i'm telling you though when I, when we do these things i don't care what it is i don't care what i'm doing i i'm bringing the fire Yes. I'm I'm bringing some passion. I, I'm telling you right now, I could be building Legos with my son, and I'm bringing the heat. I'm building the best whatever
0: the heck I'm trying to build right now. It's true. So, me,
1: so I'm with you.
0: Me I'm and with my, you, 100%. Me, me and my buddy were in Texas. We we wanted to go see a Texas Longhorn game. After the game, we found ourselves at a restaurant that had a giant Jenga set up. Huge Jenga. If anyone doesn't know what Jenga is, well, you live under a rock. <laughs> but – um. Jenga, okay, huge Jenga, and ten minutes into it, I'm noticing that our eyes are just focused on the Jenga. We're like leaning on the table, bending over, like looking at how our angles are. And when we you know when we make a big move, we're yelling, we're screaming. It's just me and my buddy. That's kind of the kind of approach we're trying to talk about here. <laughs> is you bring it in, is. it's Jenga on a vacation, we just have a good time. Yesterday, I was I was coaching a baseball practice, okay, and we were telling the kids. It's practice, but we're playing everything live. You know, base running, ground balls, where, you know, if there's a runner on base and you get the out at at first and there's a runner on third, well, you need to be checking that runner on third. Play's not over yet. We're playing it live. And how can, and why do we tell them to do that? How can we expect them to play hard and live in game situations if they don't practice that way? This is the time to practice those throws. Yeah, you're never going to throw a back pick to first base again, sure. But, if you practice it in practice well that chance that you have any game to throw it well you've already practiced it a little bit why would you just fake it and like just take it off or take it lightly because it's just practice i'll worry about in the game you you it's and it's practice it's when you go home it's when you wake up in the morning it's everything you do you you practice hard you do it hard you go all out you know you 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 put everything you have into everything you got and that's that's the way i see it you know you don't you know, it just doesn't make sense to, if you're going to, if you're going to half, if you're going to put half effort into something, don't do it at all. Right. You're the all or nothing when it comes to life and succeeding and getting job tasks done. So, um you know, having Coach Fairchild was a true honor. I mean, I'll say that. Like I said, I've been in Colorado since 2005. He's, was one of the first, like, after Sonny Lubick, he was the guy. And, it was it was really, it's really honorable to have him come on the show and speak with us and and, and, and tell us about what he's up to and and um, it was just it was special. Anything Absolutely. else? Any last words, Coach up. <clears throat> you know,
1: <clears throat> I wanna leave everybody today with live with passion. That's it. That's all I gotta say for for closing out this. Live
0: with passion. I love it. Um, This is the 3rd and 30 podcast, please check us out Social media, anywhere At 3rd and 30 podcast You can listen to us on all major platforms Google Play, Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud um, Wherever you listen to your podcast, check us out If you can't find us, let us know and we will get us on there for sure Um, A big shout out to Coach Steve Fairchild For joining us on the show today uh, In a couple weeks we will have the head coach of Poudre High School Baseball, Luke Cheever, join us on the show. Can't wait to have him on. He's a colleague of mine. I work for him, and I'm super excited to have him on the show. He is a, you know, if you don't know who Luke Cheever is, well, you want to want to tune into that show because he is uh he's an amazing man. So, um, really excited for that show. Like I said, join, you know, follow us on social media. Give us a shout. Subscribe, rate, and review. Um, the show with, um... Luke, Luke Cheever will be out in a couple weeks, so enjoy this Steve Fairchild podcast, show it to your friends, let them know f- what, what Coach is up to, and um, let us know what we can do to help you out. For Coach Chaddock, for Coach Jason Chaddock, I am Coach Praveen mantra this is the 3rd and 30 Podcast.